this is Steve with Life Worth Living. One of the biggest challenges I have is controlling what I say. It is so easy for me to react in anger or defensiveness or frustration. If I could just control my mouth, I would be so much better off. Well, the prophet Isaiah was in the same boat. In Isaiah 6, he admitted he was a man of unclean lips. One Bible version expresses that Isaiah was foul-mouthed. But something happened in Isaiah. A powerful spiritual encounter changed Isaiah forever, and as a result, he gained control over his words and reactions. So I'd like to share some secrets from Isaiah and other scriptures for how you can not only gain control over what you say, but also turn your words into a powerful instrument of healing for people and praise to Almighty God. he had a vision he said I saw the Lord now I don't know how many of us could say I've seen Jesus or I've seen the Lord I imagine if there's anybody here is only one or two or maybe a few I haven't seen the Lord I want to I want to I've seen him through reading the Bible I've seen him in my heart so to speak but with my eyes have not but apparently Isaiah had a vision he saw the Lord high and exalted when you see Jesus you're not going to see him looking down you're going to see him You're going to be looking up when you see Jesus high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphim. Those are angels, a type of angel, each with six wings. Now, have you ever seen pictures of angels before? They always seem to have two wings. These angels had six wings, two wings. They covered their faces, two wings. They covered their feet and two wings. They were flying. And they called to one another. They called to one another. Today we're going to be talking about taming the tongue. How many of you have a problem with your mouth? Anybody? I hope everybody raises their hand and says, yeah, I have a problem with my mouth. And some of our problems with our mouth is we're too quiet with our mouth. These angels here, they were calling to one another. Can you imagine? There's God seated on a throne. Above him are these seraphims, these huge, powerful angels flying over him, and they're calling to one another. They're talking to each other. You know what? We as Christians, we need to talk to each other. We need to call, to speak to who God is. We need to be able to communicate to one another. You know who God is and tell each other who God is. That's what these angels were doing. They were calling to one another. They were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now listen to this. These angels are talking about God and look what happens as a result of their voices being heard. The sound of their voices Uh, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke, not because of God, but because an angel was speaking the word of God. Let me tell you what, when you and I will finally open up our mouths and we'll say something godly, we'll, we'll declare the word of God. We'll speak a verse that we're memorizing. We'll, we'll say something that comes from the heart of God. Let me tell you what, it's going to shake the foundations of hell. Don't just read your Bible. Don't just do your Bible. Speak the word of God and things are going to start shaking up in a good way in your life. Things are going to start getting fixed in your life. So these, the thresholds of the temple, uh, they, they start shaking and the, and the temple is filled with smoke. Well, what is Isaiah? He's seeing this whole <laughs> this thing, man. And he says, woe is me. In other words, I'm doomed. 
Have you ever gotten up in the morning and thought to yourself, I'm doomed? (laughs) You're hopeless. You think there's no hope for me, man. My job's going south. My marriage is going south. My finances aren't what they should be. The doctor's giving me bad news. Like Nadia, you know what? When you feel like you're doomed, God's saying you're not doomed. You're not doomed. God has plans for you. God has plans to prosper you. Some of you are tired and exhausted from your life right now. God wants to refresh you today. He wants to refresh you today. So he says, woe woe is me, I'm doomed. He cried out, I am ruined. (laughs) I am ruined. Last week, God showed me the coolest thing, just as I was in my own personal devotions. When you're a Christian, when you're serving the Lord, hard times come to you. God is saying, I'm not sending these hard times to ruin you. I'm sending these hard times to better you, to improve you. So stop telling yourself I'm ruined. Stop telling yourself I'm doomed. No, God has plans for you. You're in God's hands. He's going to take you through what you're going through right now. He's going to take you through. And so he says, I'm ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, if you know, if you've been in church for a while, you realize there's different versions of the Bible. There's different uh, interpretations or, or, or yeah, interpretations, I guess, of the Bible, and there's different words that are used. And so I looked up several of these versions to what, what did Isaiah mean? I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah was a prophet. How could he have unclean lips? And as I looked it up, one of the versions said, I'm a man of a foul mouth. <laughs> Have you ever cussed before? Have you ever cursed because you were angry? Yeah, well, I tend to do that whenever I'm mad and I'm by myself. I don't let people hear me. Finally, God has helped me, but that is a struggle I've had all my life, is foul language when I'm by myself and I'm ticked off, usually at an inanimate object, is usually when I get maddest. All right, I'm just being open with you. You know what? God has cleansed my language little by little. Still struggle every so often. But we have a foul mouth. And you know why we have a foul mouth? Is because we have a foul heart. We have a foul mind. And those things come out, as we'll see here in just a second, of a foul mouth. Another interpretation, Isaiah said, I have a blasphemous mouth. And that's where it gets, starts getting real. Where you start blaming God. You start demeaning who God is because he's not doing what you want him to do. And, and when you see God in contrast, his holiness to your lowliness, man, it, it shakes you up and you say, I'm a man of unclean, of unclean lips, of a blasphemous mouth, a, an angry, foul mouth. He says, and furthermore, it's not just me, but everybody I live around, all these people I'm with, they have unclean lips as well. So not only woe is me, but woe is all of us. And that's what we have to say is, you know what? It's all of us. We're all messed up. We're all jars of clay. We all, we're, we're imperfect, but thank God he puts his spirit into us. He puts his word into us. He cleanses us. Jesus comes and washes our feet when we get dirty. I thought of that even yesterday. I was praying, God, just, just forgive me, man. You know, I don't live under tons of condemnation. Don't get me wrong, but I was just like, God, just, just cleanse me. And I was reminded how Jesus came to his disciples. He washed their feet and he said, because I've washed your feet, your whole self is clean. When Jesus touches you, he makes you all clean. 
He covers your past. He covers all the, the messes of our life. He says, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of those powerful seraphim flew, flies to Isaiah and with, he, he has a live coal in his hand that he's taken from, with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touches Isaiah's mouth, his, his lips, and he says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins are atoned for. You know what? If Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. No matter what you've done, no, whatever, no matter what memories you have, no matter what your past is, if Jesus says you're forgiven, you are forgiven. He's the one that forgives, not us. So stop thinking, well, I can't forgive myself. Well, it's not about you. It's about what God says. Amen. So, so the holiness, this, this coal, this, this hot, hot coal that is brought in, it epitomizes it, it. It characterizes the holiness of God. We, we speak of the spirit of God as the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit starts getting in your life, he burns things out of your life that you could never get rid of yourself. You've tried, man, you've, you put your whole effort into, you've tried to live a good life and you keep failing. The holiness of God will cut those things, will burn those things out of our lives, a selfish self that we have. And so he says, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I, I heard a voice of the, of the Lord saying, whom will I send and whom will go for us? And Isaiah says, puny little Isaiah, here I am, send me. And that's what we are. We're just puny little people touched by the holiness of God. And when the holiness of God touches us, we get willing to do whatever God wants us to. Look at, look at Isaiah. He says, here I am. I'll go. Why? Because the holiness of God had touched his life. Doesn't matter. You know what? All of us are handicapped with something. We're all handicapped in some form or fashion. Some of us have a time, hard time comprehending things. Others have a hard time reading. Others have a hard time communicating. Others have a hard time thinking. Have you ever had a hard time thinking before? Others have a hard time making decisions and going forward. We're all handicapped, but with the power of God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The holiness of God touches us, changes us, and gets us on a course that's an unstoppable course. With God, we can do all things, man. Praise God. He says, here I am, send me. And God gives him a mission, a mission for his life, a long, lifelong mission. God has a lifelong mission for you. I'm going to ask you a question. When are you going to get on track with God and do what he's called you to do? When are you going to do it? When are you going to stop giving excuses? When are you going to stop being distracted? When are you going to stop being so career-minded and say, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do? I'll do it, man. He says, uh, so he gives him a lifelong mission. He says, go and tell these people. Go and tell these people. Use your mouth. We're talking about taming the tongue here. God wants you to use your mouth for his glory. <laughs> you're going to get some texts this week about your mouth, about focusing on what you're saying, about focusing on what not to say. All right. He says, go and tell these people, be ever hearing and never understanding, ever seeing and never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull, close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I won't read the last couple of verses here, 
But I tell you what, God wants you to use your mouth to begin to do powerful things in this, in this world, powerful things for those around you. If you don't open up your mouth, you're never going to be the light that God wants you to be. Open up your mouth. And then at times you need to close your mouth <laughs> because some, some things might come out of it that, uh, that aren't, you know, that aren't profitable. that don't benefit people around you. So this experience changed Isaiah so much in his early life. He was probably pretty young when this happened. This experience changed him so much that many years later in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, here's what Isaiah said. Listen to this. This is unbelievable. He says, the sovereign Lord, who's the sovereign Lord? The one that I saw on the throne. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. He went from being a foul-mouthed, blasphemous person to being one with a well-instructed tongue who knows the word of God to sustain the weary. God wants you to use your words to heal people, to touch people, to encourage people, to strengthen people, to exhort people. I tell you what, sometimes our words need to be tough. You know, when somebody's languishing and laying on the floor, not literally, but won't get up, you, sometimes you got to use your words to say, get up and let's get going. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's get moving. Words can be tough even when they're loving. And so this is what Isaiah said. He said, I have a well, now I have a well-instructed tongue. I know the word to, that sustains the word. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Man, I love that, that phrase right there. I want to memorize it. Wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. How can you get to where you're listening to God when you say, I want to learn something? When do we start listening to God? When we get into a learning position and we say, I want to learn. Teach me something because I want to learn. When you want to learn, you'll start listening to God. That's the reason why we don't listen to God is we don't want to learn or we don't think we need to learn. But when we say, I need to learn, I want to learn, we're going to start listening to God and we'll start listening to people around us as well. Communication is 90% listening. 90% listening and 10% talking. Communication, you need to seek first to understand someone else before you try to get them to understand you. So the Bible is very clear that whatever is inside of you, your thoughts, your intentions, your opinions, let me tell you what, the, the world has got plenty of opinions. We need to stop giving our opinions so often. <laughs> There's plenty of opinions out there, and they're not doing a whole lot of good. So maybe we need to start just listening a lot more. But whatever's inside of us, our intentions, our ideas, our perspectives, all of those are going to bear fruit in what comes out of this, this nasty little mouth of ours. <laughs> whatever's inside is going to come out. Whatever's inside is going to come out. And that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 44 through 46, he said, every tree is recognized by its own fruit. You go up to a mulberry tree and you can see the little things that mulberry trees give out. Or you go to an apple tree and you see apples are given. It says, people don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. And so he's, he's given an example. He says, a good man or a good woman brings out good things out of from the inside they come out of their mouths all right a good man brings good things out 
of the good things stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Listen to this. For the mouth speak, speaks what the heart is full of. Or for us King James Version people, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. Whatever's inside, I promise you, is going to come out. <laughs> Here in, in Romans 10.10, 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Whatever's in your heart, if you believe God, people are going to know you believe God. So you say, well, I don't, I don't ever talk about Jesus. Well, I'm, I'd question what's in your heart then. If Jesus is in your heart, it's going to come out. You believe it's going to be professed out of your mouth. And so Jesus was so sure of this. God was so sure of this that in Matthew 12, 36, Jesus tells the disciples, tells his followers, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they've spoken. Every careless word. That's millions for me. <laughs> millions of careless words. So what... I'm going to be in a heap of trouble, I guess, on the day of judgment. The good news is if you live for Jesus and Jesus lives in your life, he starts covering up all of that with his blood. He forgives you. He, he takes that video of your life and he, he just puts blanks there. So there's not going to be anything showing up on the day of judgment if you, if you love the Lord. But for those people, folks who are not covered by the blood of Jesus, haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, they're going to have to account for a lot of careless words. And I looked this, this up in the Greek, and careless means undisciplined. Do you have an undisciplined mouth? Did you know that you can discipline your mouth and tell it to shut up when it needs to shut up? And tell it to open when it needs to open and say a good word. It, it also means idle or lazy. Do you have a lazy mouth? Do you put, does your mind just, I've seen this and I, I, I've done it myself, but there's some people that are really good at this. They just, bleh. <laughs> you know, everything that goes into their mouth, mind comes right out of their mouth. And there seems like there's no, there's no pause. There's no, it just, just comes out, comes out. God wants you to be careful to think before you speak to pause before you speak, to have discipline in your words, thoughtless words, unprofitable words, injurious words. You know what that is? It's injury. Like I say something that hurts somebody. I've done that many times. I've said something that hurts somebody. And you know what you need to do when you is reverse it by simply going back and apologizing. And it brings healing, almost instantaneous healing. When somebody sees that you're repentant for what you said to them, it heals them. And it makes your relationship with them even stronger than it was before you said that bad thing. Unfruit, unfruitful words. So let's do this. Let's read the next uh, scriptures here in John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. And it's all about, it's about love. But let's read it as if you were to speak a loving word. Not just the concept, I love you. But I'm, we're going to say, you know what? If you love somebody, you need to let them know through your words. You need to let them know through your words. So let's read this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples again. He says, as the father has loved you, so I have loved you. Have you ever had Jesus tell you that he loved you? See, Jesus doesn't just love in concept. He loves you by telling you that he loves you. I want you to just stop right now and just receive the love of God. Jesus is telling you right now, I love you. 
I love you even though you may not feel very smart. Or I love you even though you don't feel like you have enough money. I love you even though you've failed. I love you even though you don't feel good. Or I love you even when you're tired. Jesus is constantly telling you that he loves you. Now, if my kids, if my kids, uh, you know, grew up and I never told them that I love them. I've heard parents say this before. Well, they know that I love them. They don't know that I love them unless I tell them that I love them. So in any relationship, I think we need to make sure that people know, I love you. I care for you. I tell people at work, I love you. They think I'm weird, but they've gotten used to it. All right? I love you. It, it's, it's something that you just don't do. Um, I could tell you a funny story, but I won't. We'll, we'll just keep on moving here. Tell people, let them know that you love them and let them know that you love them often. Do it often. Now, you need to get in front of the mirror sometimes and remind yourself that God loves you. So get in front of the mirror, look yourself in the eye, smile real big and say, Jesus loves you. You need to remind yourself that Jesus loves you. But he says, as the fathers loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. I got this, by the way, on a Tuesday night for, I think it was Sarah that was giving us some verses. We clear out the, the, uh, the chairs right here. We sit down here in the, the youth and we just share the word of God. And I get so many good things out of Tuesday and Wednesday nights from the adults and the youth sharing the word of God. But it says, I, um, he says, um, now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. All right. So remember this, when you start telling people that you love them, your words of love and affirmation come out to other people. The first sign of that is you're going to be a more joyful person. Do you know that? The more you love, the more you show love, the more you speak love, you are going to be a joyful person. So if you look at yourself and you think about yourself and you think, I'm not very happy. Start telling people you love them. Start showing love to people. Your joy, your level of joy is going to start increasing. You're going to see an immediate correlation between your joy and how much you love. And so, so then he goes on in verse 12. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus says, just like I told you I loved you, now you go and tell somebody else that you love them. And he says, this is the command right here. This is the greatest command. So when I tell you, keep my commandments, Jesus is saying, keep my one commandment, love people, love people with your words. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down uh, his, his, his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Here's the second sign, the second sign of loving with your words. You'll start feeling more like a friend of Jesus. You won't feel separated from God anymore. Have you ever felt like, I don't feel God. I don't feel separate. I don't feel close to God anymore. Start showing love and you'll come very, very close to Jesus because you'll be doing the very thing that he wants you to do. He says, you're not my friends anymore. You're, my, you're not my servants anymore. You're my friends. And, and, and I've showed, I'm, you're my friends because I'm starting to show you everything that I've learned from my father. I've made it known to you. As you start showing love to people, you're going to start knowing God's ways and, and in a way that you've never known it before. You're going to start walking with God in a way that you've never known it before. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you uh, so that you might go and bear fruit. 
And then he goes on and says, you can ask anything in my name, in the name of the Father, and I'll give it to you. My command is this, love each other. I challenge you this week, go speak a loving word to somebody. Plan it out in the morning, who it's going to be, how you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, and speak a loving word to somebody. And you're going to find these four things. You're going to have more joy. You're going to have friendship and closeness with God. You're going to have spiritual fruit. You're going to have results in your life, and your prayers are going to start getting answered. Wow. Simple. Speak a loving word to someone. Well, you might say, you know what? I'm quiet. I'm timid. I'm a reserved person. I don't like talking a lot. Well, I have something for you this morning as well. Jeremiah was kind of in the same boat as you would be. And by the way, I used to be extremely timid. Didn't, I didn't even want to look people in the eye. I didn't want to talk to people. I wanted to keep to myself. And you know what? I sat down and I said, God, I'm going to give you one hour a day during a Christmas break in college. I said, I'm going to give you, God, I'm going to give you one hour a day. I'm going to read. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes and I'm going to read my Bible for 30 minutes. I'm going to do that for two weeks and I'm going to see what happens at the end of the two weeks. And God took me in two weeks. He took me from a, and I wasn't even looking to stop being timid. He took me from a timid person to a very not timid person. All right. The closer you get to God, the less you stop worrying about yourself. Timid people tend to just be focused on themselves and extroverted people do as well. I mean, that's, that's our, that's our flaw. That's our human flaw. Let me tell you what, the more you get your eyes on Jesus, the less timid you're going to be. You're not going to be worried about yourself as much, but Jeremiah was a timid person. He was young. He was a young person, young priest. And here in Jeremiah one verse, verse four, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and he says, before I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah says, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. (laughs) I'm timid. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm not good enough. I'm insecure. But God said, uh, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. And others be careful with your words, Jeremiah. Don't go saying a bunch of negative things about yourself. We need to be careful with that. All right. Don't say that, Jeremiah. (laughs) The Lord said, he said, you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Now, just as we have limited time in our lives, I have just enough time to do the things God has for me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. I have just enough words to to say the things that God wants me to say. Don't say too much, but don't say too little either. Say just what God wants you to say. In Proverbs 10, 19, it says, "In in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. In other words, where there's somebody that's blah, 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 always talking, always talking, you know there's sin present because there's too much, too many words, too much talk going on. But he who restrains his lips is wise, or she who restrains her lips is wise. In Ecclesiastes 2 or 5 2, it says, Do not be quick with your mouth. <laughs> Don't be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before the Lord. God is in heaven, you are on earth, so let your words be few. <laughs> What's, you know, what's the first step to controlling your mouth is just talk less. Just say fewer things. Think before you talk. 
So we continue on in Jeremiah, still in, in, in chapter one, one more verse that I'll read to you here. It says, then the Lord reached his hand. Remember Isaiah had a, an angel come with a coal and touch his lips. The Lord himself reaches out his hand to Isaiah, touches his mouth and says to me, I have put my words in your mouth. So how can we just start speaking the things that God wants us to speak? We need to pray, God, touch my mouth with your spirit and put your words into my mouth. Another thing you can do is start reading your Bible. You read your Bible, that's the act of God putting his word into your brain, and then your brain will work as, as the Bible already tells us, and it'll come out of our mouth naturally. So how can, we, how can we start saying what God wants us to say? We need to pray that prayer. God, touch my mouth. Put your words in my mouth. And you know what? He's going to answer that prayer. Why? Because you're praying according to his will. You will have the very words of God put into your mouth. They'll start coming out and you will surprise yourself. You'll start saying things you never dreamed you would say. Good things. Good things. Encouraging things. Powerful things. But in Exodus, here's another guy that struggled with his mouth. Thought he was no good was Moses. Exodus 4 verses 10 through 12. Moses says to the Lord, he's there in the burning bush. If you remember that story, the burning, the bush is burning. He walks over. He starts talking to God. God starts talking to him. It's during this story that this little, uh, this, this little exchange takes place. But Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Have you ever said that? I'm just not good. I'm not a public speaker. Don't get me in front of, that's what I told my parents. I don't want to be a salesman and I don't want to be a public speaker. What I was telling them is I didn't want to be a preacher because that's what I thought preachers did. You know what God had in store for me? Exactly what I'm doing right now. Exactly. So don't ever tell God, I don't want to do this because he probably, <laughs> he probably not make you do it he'll change your heart and make you want to do it that's how God operates he makes us want to do these things so here's here's Moses he says I've never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant it's an interesting scripture we won't get into right there I think all throughout those 40 years in the desert God had been speaking to Moses it wasn't just the burning bush he had been speaking to Moses all along he says I'm slow of speech and tongue and the Lord said in others I'm insecure I'm no good the Lord said to him who gave human beings their mouths who makes them deaf or mute who gives them sight or makes them blind is it not I the Lord now go <laughs> I will help you speak and I will teach you what you are to say you might be a student right now and thinking how am I ever going to get through school you know how am I ever going to finish this you might be in your job with a project how am I ever going to get through this this is what the Lord's telling you I will help you I'm going to help you I'm going to help you get through and I will teach you what you need to do I'll never forget talking to this guy really godly guy and he started a kind of a carpentry business like a handyman business and he told me Steve I'd never I didn't even hardly know how to screw in a light bulb, but the Lord told me to start a handyman business. And he said, I would literally get to a job and they'd ask me to fix the drywall or put in electric. And he'd say, God, just show me how to do this. And the Lord would show him how to do it. What? I mean, that's crazy. God knows how to help you. 
So start looking to him when you're stressed out. Look, look to him whenever you're buried. Look to him when you're overwhelmed. God is going to help you. And so two things, he said, I'm going to help you speak and I'm going to teach you what to say. What does this require? Two things from us. If he's going to help us speak or help us with our mouths, we re- it requires us to trust him, to trust him. If he's going to help us, if he's reaching his hand out to us, our hand of trust has to be reached back up to him. All right. The other thing, if he's going to teach us, it requires our attention. Spend some time every morning paying attention to God. Getting quiet, doing three things. Uh, me and Brother Jimmy like this one. Three things in Proverbs 8.34. Waiting, watching, and listening. Spiritual disciplines. Waiting, watching, and, dis- and, and listening. Those are the most wonderful, peaceful, restful things you can do in your life. But it takes a little bit of time set aside to do those things. So let's reread Isaiah. Don't worry, we're almost done here. Isaiah 50, verse 4 again. What what Isaiah had learned after those many years, he said, The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. God wants to give you a well-instructed tongue. So ask for it. The Bible says ask and it'll be given to you. Ask for a well-instructed tongue. God's going to give it to you. He loves that prayer. Ask for it. He'll give it to you. To know the word that sustains the word. He awakens me morning by morning. Wakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. So spend less time talking and spend more time listening. Listening to God. Listening to people around you. Praise God. So here's what happens whenever you do this. Jeremiah Chapter 20, verse 9, it says, and, and let me back up here just really quick. If God puts a word in your in your heart to tell somebody and you don't tell it because you're ashamed and you're embarrassed, you're insecure, here's what happens, all right? <laughs> Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, like fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in it in indeed i cannot be careful all right when you pray god give me a well-instructed tongue he's going to expect you to use that well-instructed tongue even in tough situations to tell people sometimes things they don't want to hear all right to show love with people that they don't really care to be loved on right now you know but be careful if you hold it back it's going to burn in you like holding a hot coal and you're going to have to let it go you're going to have to open your mouth and release the word of god to whoever it is Whoever it is, I'll never forget. I think I've told this before. I went to lunch with somebody, a business guy, and I felt like I had a word from the Lord for him. Sat down, ordered our food. I gave him the word of the Lord, and he looked at me like I had lobsters coming out of my ears. He's, he, he told me, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you think I felt stupid? Do you think I felt awkward the next 30 to 45 minutes sitting in a business lunch with what else are we going to talk about? All right, but six months later, that guy came back. And exactly what I told him is exactly what had happened. And he knew exactly what I was telling him. So let me tell you what, when you tell something, you got to trust God that he's going to take his word and it's not going to return back to him void. It's going to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Don't worry so much about you. Worry about what God has told you to do. Speak the word of God. And we'll, we'll end with this. James 3. All right, hang in there. Just a few more minutes, but it's all in James 3. The classic part of scripture that tells us about taming, talks to us about taming our tongues. 
says, not, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> That's me. I'm up here. I'm telling, telling you guys what I think is right and what the Bible says. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to be judged more strictly. Does that scare me? No. No, because you know what? I want to be taught by this word too. I, I feel very, very uncomfortable whenever I speak on something that doesn't pierce my own heart. It makes me feel very uncomfortable because then I feel like I know it all and I'm just trying to pass it on to you. I don't know it all. And the word of God has to pierce my heart just like it has to pierce your heart. And so it doesn't scare me because I'm doing what God has told me to do. But I am going to be judged more strictly because I'm teaching Teaching is one of the most noble professions in the world. Our teachers should walk around with their heads held high. They're influencing future generations, man. I'll tell you what. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault with what they say is perfect. Well, that means we're, we're all imperfect because everybody messes up with what they say here and there. Able to keep their whole body in check. So how does a drug addict get free from drug addiction? They control their mouth because then they can control their body. How does someone who's gluttonous as me control how much I eat? I need to control my mouth. I've found this literally to be true. If I can be self-controlled in what I say, it affects every area of my life, even if it seems unrelated. We put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, and we can turn their whole body the mouth can turn the whole body into the right direction, into the wrong direction. In fact, we need God to put his bit in our mouth, his word in our mouth, so he can steer us in the direction that we want to go. If you feel out of control, say, Jesus, take control. <laughs> if you feel out of control, say, Jesus, take control. And you know what? He will begin to control your life. If you ask him to control your life, he will do it. He will always honor that, that kind of prayer. It's not just what I say about to others in my conversations, what I say to myself too. The words that I say to myself in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has power, the power of life and death. Those who love it, those who appreciate it, will eat its fruit. If you begin to realize how powerful your words are, and it's, some people go overboard. You know, I said a negative thing. Oh no, the whole world's going to cave in on me. No, no, no. It's, it's not that powerful. But if you tell yourself day after day after day that you're ugly, you're going to be ugly. All right? If you tell yourself day after day after day that you're not going to be successful, you're not going to be successful. But if you start telling yourself every day, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, you're going to be able to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You say, I don't trust myself. Well, that's all right. Stop saying I don't trust myself. Say, I do trust God, though. All right, reverse what you're saying into something that's godly, something that's not just positive, but faithful. We go on in James 3, verse 4. It says, but take ships. Another example, one is bits in, mouth, in the mouth of a horse. In other words, is these ships, as an example, although they're very large, they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. And I would ask you, who's the pilot of your mouth? Who is in charge of your mouth? And if you'll put Jesus in charge of your mouth, you will start saying godly things. You will shock yourself. 
Likewise, verse 5, the tongue is a very small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil, evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on the fire on fire by hell. You know what? Your word can be, you can throw your word as you would gasoline onto a problem and set it on fire, or your words can be like water, and you pour water and put out the fire. Which one are you going to be? All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures have been tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. What is it saying? Only God can tame your tongue. So trust him, pay attention to him, and he will tame your tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With a tongue we praise God, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Let's look at this just last scripture here. A reminder from Isaiah 6, 6. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the, the, with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for trust Jesus to fix your mouth and he will do it. <laughs> Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, for this time together. And uh, Lord, I'm like, I'm like the young Isaiah. Lord Jesus, my mouth is a mess a lot of times. And I know I think we can all identify with that as well. That our mouths just, man, stuff spews out of it that sometimes not even to other people. Lord, to ourselves, just negativity. Lord, insecurities, even self-hate sometimes. Lord God, these things shouldn't be. <laughs> these things shouldn't be. So Lord, I pray that you would help us. Just as God told Moses, he would help him and he would teach him what to say. Lord, we need help big time. We need you to teach us what we need to say. Lord, if we can get our tongues under control with God's help, every part of our life can, get, can, can, can come under God's control as well.